Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. And it is 8.20 here on this Friday, and we've got our counterpointers in place and ready to go. Of course, this counterpoint is brought to you by our friends over at Pizzaville, who you can call at 416-736-3636 or pizzaville.ca, and they will get you all set up. we got our Friday regulars in. we got Bob Richardson, Senior Counsel over at National Public Relations. Hello there. Good evening. And Anthony Fury over at SunPost Media, columnist and national comment editor. Hello there. It's getting chilly, 29 degrees. I thought it was going to be like 34, 35. I mean, you know, crank, know. crank up the heat in here. I know. Well, hey, uh, by the way, uh, Bob, you're, you're sounding awfully chipper for a guy who sent me a very uh, terrifying picture of the cocktail scene in cottage country. So I don't know where that picture was taken, but uh, Bob sent us a picture of, uh, of a liquor store in cottage country. Literally, those shelves are bare. How is well, this, con- like, happening? Congra- congratulations for our, uh, to our friends from the LCBO <laughs> who are now getting their marketing advice from the uh, shelves of Caracas, Venezuela <laughs> and true. Harare, Zimbabwe. What is going on over there? Seriously, this I know. is summer. Uh-huh. The, the shelves should be filled. So, anyways, I, I usually like to take a good crack at the LCBO, but they're not even making it sporting anymore. No, they're not. I mean, honestly, though, I thought I thought they'd have this remedied by now, Anthony. And it's just like in Toronto, they're hit. But like to have nothing on your shelves except for gin. Well, not just Venezuela, but you know, Soviet Russia, because that's the problem with you know province-wide social, uh, you know, social planning distribution. So they changed the system, and it's it's not ready. There's no beta testing. They don't know what to do. I mean, there's no way Loblaws would suddenly go. Oh, we can't get milk to half of our locations. I mean, that's not how professional supply chain rolls out. Why would they drive down to the warehouses say look we'll pick it up ourselves but we can't be seen to and i will say this i remember back in the u.s a few years ago a woman called 911 because mcdonald's was out of chicken nuggets and i thought <laughs> that was a bit premature because one can at least always go to burger king but in this case if i was in that lcbo i'd be like call it cops where's my clamato is, juice yeah, and my this is a friday night and fury ain't getting his drink on no kidding well when you when you hear me on the tape that they release pretend you don't <laughs> uh let's talk a little bit about the interview i just did there is of course a Human Rights Tribunal underway in BC, and uh, it's not getting an awful lot of attention, but this involves a transgender activist well known for activism, and uh, I thought it was 12 complaints, but this is actually 16th complaint against a women's salon. This one is a home salon who she accuses of discriminating uh, by being denied a Brazilian wax, and the, the reason she didn't get that wax is because the woman who was asked to do it wasn't comfortable doing that service to someone who still has male genitalia. She said she is scared, she had no training, and did not feel uh, comfortable. And so the question, I think, becomes, does a business owner or a woman have the right, and I'll start with you on this, Anthony, uh, to provide a service or not provide a service if they don't feel comfortable? First of all, if you told me there is a situation where there is a waxing facility, and it's a woman working alone in a small facility, a person, and it said a, a ladies' wax center, ladies only. And a person comes in, a, a sort of large, hairy man, intimidating person comes in, mm. brings out the male genitalia, and says, You got to grab these. 
and you got to do stuff with these. And then you told me there is a human rights tribunal process underway. I would naturally assume the human rights complaint is the owner complaining about the person doing that to them. So the fact that we're in a switcheroo here is problematic enough. The fact we have 16 cases going on and the fact that this uh, this individual, if you search these names, Jonathan, Yaniv, and Jessica, Yaniv, you find there are a number of cases of, of stuff like this happening. Not just the 16 complaints, but uh, Lindsay Shepard was removed from, from social media recently because of this person uh, getting into a back and forth where, where, where the person actually said very vicious, sexist things against Lindsay Shepard. These are vexatious litigious things going on in the human rights tribunals. They remind me of a decade ago when we were calling to shut these things down because they were being used as kangaroo courts. These darn well better not pass, and these better be thrown out, and this person should have to pay damages for vexatious complaints. Well, this complainant, Bob, has managed to to shut down and put a whole number of young immigrant women out of business because of these kinds of complaints, even though the service is available to her uh, in other places. The problem is, I think it does a lot of damage to the LGBTQ community as a whole because it drives a wedge, but... You know, if we're getting into the to the area where a woman or someone is forced to perform a service that they're not comfortable with, then what happened to their human rights? I'm a member of the LGBTQ community. Uh, I'm a huge uh, supporter uh, of the uh, of the rights that we've discussed. This is a wingnut. This is somebody who's lodged 16 different complaints. This is somebody who is trying to make a huge issue out of getting a Brazilian wax. Give me a friggin' break. This is, not, this is not something we should be talking about. And what infuriates me about this issue is there are a lot of people out there, you know, trying to establish their lives, trying to get on track, trying to do things that are important, trying to move the ball forward in a positive manner. And we have wingnuts like this conducting themselves in a manner which I think is inappropriate. I think that's sad, and I think it's wrong. And I'll add, you know, if you if you don't want my take, if you don't want Bob's take on it, Morgan Ogar is a, is a trans a trans woman in British Columbia, prominent member of the NDP, uh, the provincial BC NDP, uh, vice president or something of the party. And uh, she's known as a prominent trans activist, perhaps the most sort of established prominent one in the country. And she's written a very detailed blog post on this saying, I was initially supportive of this year person i've looked at all the details and this is damaging to our community we don't want anything to do with this and and is denouncing all of this so even even major trans activists are saying time out on this well now they are but as bob points out it's outrageous and it may be a wingnut but people and the media are scared to cover it because they don't want to be labeled transphobic and that to me is dangerous because you know we're just feeding you know what's wrong and, and essentially allowing um you know women to be bulldozed into something they don't want to do not to mention a lot of these women have lost their livelihoods because of this so it's one wingnut but she's getting away with an awful lot of stuff it's an interesting different yeah. test case because a decade ago it was mark stein as relevant and those characters uh who, who had the funds and the public stuff and these are these are women as you said you know women almost perhaps on the margin self-employed who could uh, be the test case here yeah um, I'd, I'd rather ahead. see us focus our time, energy, and efforts on the vast majority of people who uh, really need help and support in these periods, yeah. as opposed to the occasional wingnut. Yeah, yeah, I would uh, tend to agree there. Uh, day before he resigned as Premier, uh, Doug Ford's Chief of Staff, amid these uh, appointment and cronyism stories, Dean French apparently orchestrated the dismissal of the chair of a $60 billion public pension board and appointed three new members. And we've already seen six French appointments they've had to resign. 
but when I look through the article on this thing, and I'll start with you on this, Bob, three of the people appointed to this board actually have experience in the financial industry. Um, and I know that these make for easy stories, but not all appointments, even those linked to Dean French, are automatically bad. And so I get concerned that this is going to be the only headline about every appointment, but not every appointment needs to be dismissed. Well, number one thing I would say, isn't it great that we're talking about, like, we've lowered the bar to the point where we said, oh, they have some experience in the industry. <laughs> this is like, well, this is, the, the Ford government now has this limbo dancing at two inches. Congratulations, because <laughs> that's what this is about. I'm sorry. Here's the problem with these appointments. They could be very good people. They could not be. But you know what? We don't know. And we had a wingnut running that place for a year who appointed all sorts of people who were inappropriate. Uh, And there is a committee of the legislature that exists to review public appointments. Send these people to public appointments. If they're good appointments, they will stand the test of time. But if they are, you know, lacrosse players from, uh, you know, from... uh, from Wawa, Ontario, I think the public needs to know about that when it's a $60 billion pension that the province is appointing people to the boards of. So my view is I would, for big appointments like that, just appoint people, or I would just refer them to the public committee, have the committee sit a few extra days, run them through the mill. I suspect 90% of them will be fine. There, You may find a few bad apples, but do it that way. But no, they should not get a free pass because this guy was a nutter. Um, sorry, I'm not. I'm not prepared to agree with that, and I don't think most, na- uh, you know, rational people would either. It's also one thing to to can an ambassador and fire an ambassador and that sort of thing. Positions are kind of inherently political. Like the lacrosse player position was more about you know salesmanship, selling uh, the province and policy. The head of uh, the, the boards of directors behind pension plans, whether they're public or private, there's not a lot of rotation in that sector. And people, it's a smaller community. People stay in those positions for a long time. And I don't really like the idea that a chief of staff seemingly unilaterally decided to even shake up this board. I mean, I'm not sure if if uh, he was even, you know, w- within his right to, I mean, it was his right to do it. But I, I don't know if he knew what he was talking about here. Well, I guess we will wait and see on this thing, but uh, whether these three survive or if they have to uh, walk the plank, but nonetheless, another one out of the uh, gate. Let's pause it there, both of you, and uh, we will bring it back here for our uh, second half of CounterPoint. We'll uh, talk about Justin Trudeau and that little Quebec Build 21 issue when we come back for uh, part two of CounterPoint, which is brought to you by our friends over at Pizzaville. If you're hungry, dial them up, 416-736-3636. Or give them a visit online at uh, pizzaville.ca. We will be back after this quick break here on Point. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We got our second round of Counterpoint, which of course is brought to you by our friends at Pizzaville, 416-73636 or pizzaville.ca. They'll get you hooked up. We've got Bob Richardson and Anthony Fury joining in on tonight's discussion. And um, Justin Trudeau has uh, sharpened his criticism of Donald Trump over those uh, send her back chants at a rally. Um, And yet I find it odd, and I'll start with you on this, Bob, is that, you know, yesterday the uh, Quebec upper court upheld the religious symbol ban, and yet we've not heard a peep about this. It's it, it's one thing to find Donald Trump's comments offensive, but we've got our own little issues here with, uh, you know, minorities being 
you know, take the rights being taken away from religious expression and no one's saying anything. Um, look, uh, I don't disagree with you to a certain extent. I will say this. Uh, the prime minister has spoken on this issue at least a half a dozen times. Uh, he hasn't said anything different than Andrew Scheer or Jagmeet Singh. If we're going to be honest about this, all of them are kind of treading carefully about this 100 days before an election. Um, the truth of the matter here is the federal government's role, um, I think, is limited. And if I'm wrong on this, please correct me. Because if the guy said he's going to invoke the notwithstanding clause, there's only so much you could do. So it turns into a bit of a symbolic argument. I think the Prime Minister of Canada should very clearly pronounce against this. But if the Prime Minister of Quebec or the Premier of Quebec decides to move forward with it and he can't do anything about it, uh, he doesn't need to go out and you know bang his head on the ground either. So I think there is a happy medium someplace. I'm not sure we're there yet. No, I, I don't think we'll get... Yeah, we won't get there, though, until after the election. Trudeau loves symbolic that's arguments. True. That's all he does. Historical arguments, you know, hypotheticals, angry at Trump, you know, international feminism lectures. I mean, this, this should be his thing. It should be. But, you know, the bottom line is, though, uh, they should all be saying something, and they're not. I mean, and the notwithstanding clause that Mr. Ford pulled out, I mean, that led to protests yeah. for weeks, and yet in Quebec, it's like, eh, Whatever. Just yeah, matter. I mean, that tells and, you, you know, something. We and we haven't heard anything from the uh, chief lobbyist for the dairy industry either <laughs> on this uh, issue. He's pronounced on chocolate milk, but he hasn't found time to pronounce on this Quebec bill either. No, he, so, he did too, you know, but again, it was a lukewarm, it was a lukewarm yeah, comment. No, no, no Quebec party's hands are clean on this one, so uh, let's leave it at that. Yeah, po- the politics of politicking. Uh, Toronto cops, of course, are uh, trying to shut down some of the bigger, more established illegal pot shops. So they're using this new technique, which is actually pretty nifty. They've put these huge 2,000-pound cinder blocks to uh, block off the entire store frontage. It's a pretty heavy-handed, not to mention expensive process. And yet, um, Anthony, the pot shops simply go out now and get their own forklift and remove the cinder blocks. Look, the demand is there and the product is not. Well, and good for them for two reasons. For starters, when legalization happened, there should have been an opportunity for illegal pot shops to to learn the rules and segue themselves and transition into being legal operators. And instead, what happened was someone like Jody Emery, who was in a prime position uh, to segue into the legal realm, she was hauled up and arrested and, and she spent a night or two in jail and their operation has been shut down. So I think it was poorly managed from that regard massively. And, and the entire regime is done differently. The other thing that frustrates me, uh, there are fentanyl dealers out in the streets. Yep. There are shipments of fentanyl coming into our, into our city, into our country. We have an opioid crisis. And I used to live uh, not far from that 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 troubled Queen Street corridor where that all goes down. The police uh, were not particularly present dealing with all of that. So they have the ability and 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 the great effort to go and do this cinder block antics, but they can't go down and shut the real stuff that is killing people and that is harming our communities. Where are their priorities? Yeah, Bob, I got to say, I agree with that. I mean, it's a huge expense and it's a huge amount of resources. They certainly can't do this for every store because the bottom line is what they put out of business today will find another location tomorrow and open right back up. I think it's singularly one of the stupidest things I've seen the police do in the last 25 years. And I oh, I don't know. This week has been pretty good for the Toronto police. I don't know. You know yeah, it's, it's, it's making the top three anyway. <laughs> but, but you know, um, this is ridiculous. It is a waste of time. It is a waste of resources. 
It is a waste of money. Anthony's 100% right. I'd rather see them putting those time, energy, and resources into other much, much more serious crimes than this. This is utterly ridiculous. The police should be embarrassed. And quite frankly, the police board, um, which includes a number of elected officials, including the mayor, ought to be taking a look at this and ought to be saying, what is going on here? Because it's foolish. Yeah, I don't get the sense that that's going to happen because it's easier to make it look like you're doing something and you're not really doing anything. It's just uh, wasting a whole lot of resources. Uh, Quickly, we don't have a lot of time for this, but I don't know if you uh, saw this, uh, but the RCMP was doing a fairly important press conference today, an update on two young people found dead on on a highway in northern British Columbia. And there's the lead investigator are doing a press conference being streamed on social media and uh, Anthony you know they didn't seem to realize that someone had put the Snapchat kitten shot of her and so she had ears and a little cute uh, kitten nose during what was a fairly serious press conference. I think you need to test these things out. You, you need to have somebody in-house who's, who's if you're going to be doing this, streaming it, a professional in-house dealing with all of this. I, I'm not going to give them that hard of a time because I'm going to imagine they haven't assigned someone to do this. They just say, oh, we got to be modern. we got to stream this and so forth. And then they screwed up Oof. in all this. So it happens. It shouldn't happen, though. And, and you really got to plan this out, folks. It happened to a Pakistani uh, politician last month. He was a, he had a Snapchat I filter on. I mean, <laughs> they're pretty funny <laughs> until they're not funny. Ball, but you'd have to think on something so sensitive that someone would be watching saying, yeah, take that down now. Well, we won't be laughing if this court case gets thrown out yeah. because this is viewed as having contaminated evidence or created a situation that was inappropriate or, or whatever. So, you know, I think you need, I agree with Anthony, you need to be super cautious on these sort of things. And there's no excuse for the RCMP not ensuring that that's the case. Yeah. Well, we all got a laugh, but the uh, subject was unfortunately so serious okay, that it, uh, it is, takes away it from it. it you know? is, if I saw it, I probably would laugh. And yeah. You know, but anyway. Yeah, unfortunate. All right, gentlemen, I've got to leave it there, but I thank you for joining me on this Friday and sharing your time. Bob, thank you. Thanks, Alex. That's Bob Richardson and uh, Anthony Fury. Appreciate it. Thank Have you. Have a great weekend. Pure On Point on Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.